You're listening to Second on the Mount, a podcast of sermons from Second Presbyterian Church in Roanoke, Virginia. We are glad you found us. My name is Elizabeth Link, and I'm the Associate Pastor for Christian Education. Each week, we climb into the pulpit with a bit of fear and trembling. We hope and pray that what we have to say is true to God's will for the church and may encourage and challenge you on your journey of discipleship. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review if you enjoy. May the Spirit have some word for you and what we have to share. Please pray with me. Holy God, surround us with the wisdom of your word. May we rest in the light of your love and be messengers of your truth to this world. Amen. In this time of physical separation, we want to try and share with you the faces and voices of others in our church family, worshiping virtually with you today. Our first scripture reading will be read by church elder and your sister in the faith, Carolyn Sharp. A reading from Paul's letter to the church at Corinth. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesize only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now, we see in a mirror, dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part. Then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, and the greatest of these, is love. Thank you, Carolyn. Our second reading comes from the Gospel of John. Hear these words of Jesus for the church today from John 14, verses 15 through 21. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give to you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth 
whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Young Liza and Jeremy were sound asleep one night when it began to rain hard. Thunder rolled in and woke the twins from their sleep. They leapt out of their beds and ran into the living room, calling for their mother. Don't worry, you two, their mother said. It's just the storm making that noise. Go back to bed now. We want to stay close to you. We're scared, said Jeremy. Their mom replied, you know we're always together, no matter what. But how can we be together when you're out here and we're in bed, Liza asked. Then their mom held out something right in front of them and said, This is how. Rubbing their sleepy eyes, the twins came closer to see what their mom was holding. I was about your age when my mommy first told me about the invisible string, she said. The twins didn't see the string. They didn't see anything. You don't need to see the invisible string, their mother said. People who love each other are always connected by a very special string made of love. But how do we know it's real if we can't see it? Liza asked. Even if you can't see it with your eyes, their mother said, you can feel it in your heart. And you know that you're always connected to everyone you love. When you're at school and you miss me, your love travels all the way along that string, and I feel it tug at my heart. And when you tug it right back, we feel it in our hearts, too. Jeremy said. Would it reach me if I were in a submarine at the bottom of the ocean? Jeremy asked. Yes, his mom said, even then. How about if I were a mountain climber? Even then. Or a ballerina in France? Liza asked. Even there. Or how about an astronaut in outer space? Even there. Then Jeremy quietly asked, Can my string reach all the way up to Uncle Brian? In heaven? Yes, even there. Does the string go away when you get mad at us? Never, said their mom. Love is stronger than anger. As long as you have love in your heart, the string will always be there. This sweetly profound children's story, The Invisible String, goes on to share that the twins make it back to their bed and finally fall asleep. They dream that night of all the invisible strings they have, all the strings their friends have, and their friends' friends have, and their friends' friends' friends have, until everyone in the whole world is connected. And from deep inside, the story goes on, they can now clearly see that no one is ever alone. Now that's the truth, regardless of our age, that we all want to be assured of that no one is ever alone. Our gospel passage for this morning is a part of what we call Jesus' farewell speech. 
His discussion with his disciples takes place on the night before his arrest. In the chapter directly preceding ours, Jesus says, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. In fact, this commandment, Jesus' Maundy Thursday mandate to his disciples to love one another, is the only recorded commandment in the whole of the Gospel of John. At the Last Supper, Jesus had been telling the disciples about his coming departure. He knows that in a matter of hours, and then again in the coming months and years, his friends will feel like orphans. Easter will be a joyous reunion, but the resurrection appearances won't last forever. And as the years pass, people will be called to believe in a Jesus they have never seen or heard. His first pastoral move is to assure them that love, their new commandment, will sustain them, define them. And his next move is to promise the Advocate, the Holy Spirit. It's a powerful promise made to disciples who were afraid and uncertain about the future nearly 2,000 years ago. And it's a powerful promise made to disciples who were afraid and uncertain about the future today. At various times across church history, and in various traditions of Christianity today, the Spirit has been interpreted in many ways. Where I come from, when you see the words Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit in a church name, you can be pretty sure that there's talking in tongues or a little charismatic dancing going on inside. In other churches, you may represent the Spirit by a dove. You might see it in the stained glass window or hovering over Jesus' head in depictions of his baptism. And other people equate the Spirit to a kind of vague spirituality that seems to be mainly a sense that there's something out there that we just can't name. John's Gospel uses a very specific word to describe the Spirit. Parakletos. Literally, one who comes alongside you. This sometimes gets translated as comforter, counselor, helper, and encourager. But perhaps its most literal translation is simply advocate. The one who pleads your case, who takes your side, who intercedes for you, and who stands up for you. Now, for some traditions, defined this way, the Spirit's role is to intercede for us before God. The Spirit, from this point of view, is one who pleads our case that though we are sinful and have fallen short, yet because of Jesus' sacrifice, we deserve to be forgiven. But the picture of God this implies, a God is needing to be persuaded to love and forgive us, feels so foreign to John's confession that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And this is not the God I come to understand in scripture and experience. So I wonder if it's meant to be understood the other way around. Perhaps it is the Spirit who intercedes on God's behalf for us. Perhaps the Spirit is the one who comes to remind us as our identity as children of God. Perhaps the Spirit is the one who helps us see the Good Shepherd and to recognize that we are one of his sheep. And remember God's promise to be with us and care for us, no matter what. Because Lord knows it can be hard to hold on to that identity, especially when we're stressed or frightened and unsure about our future. Or maybe it's that the Spirit, 
The Advocate comes alongside us and advocates for us in the face of all the challenges of the world, reminding us of Jesus' promise to be with us and for us no matter what. As Lutheran theologian David Lose points out, if the Spirit is advocating for us to believe in God's promises and trust that we are worthy of God's love, then that creates in us the ability to not simply survive the challenges of today, but to flourish in the midst of them. Even more, the Spirit's work of advocacy creates the possibility that we can do the same for others. The Spirit invites us to do the same work of helping, comforting, counseling, encouraging, of lifting others up. Perhaps this is why Jesus moves immediately from commanding his disciples to keep his commandment of love to the promise of the Holy Spirit. No one can love others as Jesus did, apart from the advocacy, the help of the Spirit. Think about this with me. Where do you see the Spirit at work? We live during a frightening time with loss of income, loss of connection, and loss of life. But we also live in a time of profound sacrifice, encouragement, and generosity. You, Second Presbyterian Church and community, have given over $10,000 to local ministries in a time of scarcity. If that's not evidence of the work of the Spirit, I don't know what is. Brothers and sisters, you are inheritors of this advocate spirit Jesus promises. And you cannot receive this spirit and remain unchanged. The spirit is among us, abiding with us, creating holy places where authentic, self-sacrificial human love can take root and flourish. Today, on May 17th, we celebrate the end of our Sunday school year at Second Presbyterian Church. For these 10 Sundays, we have been worshiping apart. Our Sunday school classrooms have sat empty. But our education has not ended. The Spirit has made us flexible, nimble, creative, I dare say. Although George, Rachel, and I wish we'd had a crash course in videography and virtual meeting platforms 11 weeks ago, to be exact, the technology available to us to stay connected has allowed us to grow and learn together. The open door, the wired word, and covenant conversation classes continued their studies through email and Zoom. The journey class has continued to share prayer requests over email. The pastors have posted additional weekly Sunday school lessons, and children's Sunday school is being taught at home. Youth have watched videos, joined in Zoom discussions, games, and devotions. Who knew we had it in us? Now, do I like the old ways of doing Christian education better? You betcha. But do I think we'll go back to doing things the same old ways we always have once this is behind us? I hope not. I'm not saying that I want to continue home and virtual Christian education and worship exclusively, but I do think we will do things differently in the future because of the experiences we are having now. And I believe... I know that the Spirit is at work somewhere in the midst of it all. As your pastor for Christian education, I cannot begin to tell you all of the dreams, 
nightmares, really, that I've had about summer educational events gone awry because of a pandemic. But I feel like I'm coming out of that fog to see a horizon that is expanding. I'm stretching to see beyond the traditional methods of learning I've always treasured, and I'm opening myself to the ways God's Word can still be made alive for this body of faith, even when our bodies cannot be present to do it together in person. The Spirit, the Advocate, is working to help us see. I miss you, Second Presbyterian Church. I miss your faces, I miss your handshakes and your hugs. And I know you miss your church family, too. And while it can feel a little like we're orphaned, missing our church family week after week, Jesus reminds us that we are not left alone. No one is ever alone. He has promised us that nothing less than the Holy Spirit walks with us, alongside us, everywhere and always. Second Presbyterian, finding direction by following Jesus.